Yo, I put it like wow. This that sound. These oaks don't work hard like me. I hope they know by now. Bail, bail. Stand my ground. Throw these money trees go overseas like Percy Tow. I make sure you stay around. Quiet when I'm under loud. No negatives allowed. Me positivity took a vow. I always play to win. Don't anticipate loss. Mind always in the clown, my boy. Never think about the drop. Never ever ever think about the drop. Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT show. Show, 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 show. Um. Like Scooby Doo. Really? If you're young, you don't know what Scooby Doo is. Can't blame you. It's uh, not 1999. I get it. Get it. You got Netflix. All right. Wow. You're so cool. You're so fashion forward. You know, such a tastemaker. So cool on your TikTok. And I, I only stream. I don't even know. I don't have a TV, bro. Like, who's still got a TV? You know? Jeez, oh, old people. I get it. Scooby-Doo, look it up. Not the greatest show, but a bit overrated. I'm more of a biker mice from Mars kind of guy, you know? And there's no way, if you don't know what Scooby-Doo is, that you'll know what that is. They should do a live action of that. I think they once did try. Didn't watch it. But they should do a live action of biker mice from Mars. If you don't know what that is, go and Google it. On your on your sick phone, bro, and your Google Google goggles or whatever you got going, you know. Like, I, I just I don't even understand why no, not everyone's streaming. Like, why do you even have a TV still? Oh my word, a decoder, jeez. Okay, young one, jeez, like we get it, we get it. We're old, we're moving on. Okay, fine. Bloody hell, jeez. Hope you guys are having a great day. And by guys, I mean everyone. You know, if you're a woman, I live in South Africa. The colloquialism for hello guys, hey guys, it means just people, you know, in a world where everyone thinks they deserve a bloody pronoun or whatever. I don't, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Guys doesn't just mean people with testicles. And even then again, being having testicles doesn't mean you're a guy anymore, I guess. It's just part of your anatomy. So it doesn't just mean men. Or what we might have described as men a year ago. You know? Gals, hope you're having a good time too. Ladies. Plus. Let me do the plus. Because plus, I understand, includes everyone. So, guys and plus, I hope you're having a good one. Hope you're having the time of your lives. Hope you had a great weekend. US Open. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday night. US Open still hasn't happened. I'm not going to stay up. Uh, Brooks is out of it. Um, so it ends how it ends. Ricky Fowler is obviously the dream. Hopefully Rory McIlroy doesn't win because he's painful. Um, I'm not really a fan of his. Shout out to Caroline Wozniacki for leaving him. Um, don't even know who's married to now. But unbearable. Rory, you are unbearable. In my eyes. So see how that goes. Um and then the Ashes, I mean, just sensational. Oh, I'll get to that. Um, what are we talking about today? David De Gea, looks like he's going to leave United. I'll tell you my thoughts on that. I, I find it hysterical. And then Kylian Mbappe. Oh, man. You know, if you've listened to the show, I had some thoughts about three years ago on the Mbappe-Haaland situation. And it's playing out exactly as I said 
it would. And I, I do enjoy saying I told you so. So uh, Kylian Mbappe, we'll talk about the mess uh, situation he's in with the Qataris. And I, I don't know why he's talking about the president of France. But anyway, that's a whole different thing. Uh, old Macron, great hair, that guy, uh, for El Presidente. And yeah, we'll talk that. But before we get to that, um, you know, you're probably right now driving in your car and on the weekend you went out drinking and you told your boyfriend or girlfriend that you weren't going to drink this weekend because you guys are trying to change your lives, right? Like, we're going to change our lives and it's been a tension point. Maybe you drink a bit too much wine. Brew, maybe you just drink too much beer. Your lady doesn't dig it. Or, ma'am, your boyfriend is just like, last nerve you know he wants to go camping but you're like no i'm still in the wine phase that's what i want to be doing and i want to be doing hot bus three but you're in the car right now you're the person that drank too much on the weekend you're the person who was late for lunch with your partner's parents now you're feeling bad you know you're feeling terrible about yourself at the moment you don't make you feel better if you take two minutes to go and rate this show on apple podcasts because as you're hating yourself, as you're wondering, will I get home and my partner's actually packed up and moved out because we had the biggest fight yesterday, but I was too hungover? Or does the person who I think is going to be my father-in-law hate me because I'm always late and I, I, I came smelling of booze to a Father's Day lunch? If you feel like a terrible person right now, you know it'll make you feel slightly better, even if it's just for two minutes. If you're going to give the show a five-star rating, pop on over Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a message. Leave a, leave a comment as well. You know, nice show. LOL, you know, uh, or whatever. Can't believe, can't believe he's talking about this stuff. It's painful for me to listen to. It's triggering me, you know, because th- this is happening to someone, by the way. People are thinking I'm ridiculous. I know what the world is like. We have all been these people. People are very similar. You know, we're all going through the same stuff. We are all going through the same stuff. Your partner's drinking too much. You're changing and you've got to tell them and they're not changing with you and it's causing tension in the relationship. If that's the stuff that's going on in your life right now, imagine how good you're going to feel when you give this this show a two-star or five-star rating. It's going to take you two minutes. If you can, I'd greatly appreciate that. Wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you can leave a comment, that would be amazing. Just say amazing. Love it. Hate it. Undecided. Mediocre. Or as the young kids are saying, as the youth, when they're youthing, right? On the socials. As they say, mid. No, that's what they say now. They say mid. If, if something's ordinary on the socials, you don't say, oh, it's mediocre. You say, oh, she's mid. He's mid. That's mid. It's not midfield. It just means... Yeah, not awful, not great. Can you even put that? Please, take two minutes. Uh, pull over, pull over right now. Pull over, go to the garage, get yourself a coffee. You're probably still hungover. If you're over 30, the hangover's last two days. You probably drank on Saturday and Sunday, and now you feel terrible about yourself. Give us a five-star rating, make you feel much better. All right, let's get into the show. The MKT show. 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 Um, tell you what started on the weekend. Eh? Oh. Listen, you, you can't be test cricket. Eh? You, you just, 
if you're not from South Africa, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, or, or, or if you're not from a Commonwealth country, or formerly Commonwealth, don't be triggered. Like, you know what I mean? They are, they're still called Commonwealth sports. I said this to someone the other day, and they were like, because <gasps> everyone's so PC now, but that, like the sports that are commonly tied to England or the United Kingdom and played by them are called Commonwealth sport. I'm not saying that there's still transatlantic slavery going on. Hopefully there isn't. I don't know the whole world. I'm just saying they're called Commonwealth sport. If you're not associated to like cricket, rugby, I don't know what to I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know how to help you, man. I just do not know how to help you. The Ashes is the greatest thing going on right now. It's so good. It's so good. And you know what it could be? It could just be the fact that I'm thirsty for any high-level test cricket. Because actually, if you distill it, the, the quality of cricket wasn't great. But the entertainment value of just long sessions and having to slug it out, different versions of, of the game. And now the rain came in. It's just, it's everything storytelling should be, man. And just test cricket's amazing. But tell you quickly, I'll do a prediction quickly of who I think is going to win the series. And then I'll kind of do some polls. And if you're listening to this, should I be doing Ashes-specific content? Because I want to do that. But I also want to do stuff people want to listen to. You know, it's all about the listeners. Like if I'm just talking, um, and if you're a broadcaster, by the way, this is a good lesson. Somebody very, very wise taught me, uh, James Cameron, no big deal. Uh, worked for him, with him for three months at Cape Town Studios. It's not a big deal, whatever. Anyway, he taught me a very valuable lesson. Just do what the listeners or the viewers want. So whatever you guys want, should I be doing Ashes? If I get enough feedback on the Ashes stuff, I'll just do Ashes specific content I'll I'll do two or three podcasts a week um, moving forward. And I'm happy to do an Ashes one on its own because I want to do that. But I don't want to do it if people aren't going to listen to it. You know what I mean? Because cricket's very niche. I love cricket. I love it. I love it. I love test cricket. I must be very clear. I only love test cricket. The rest of it's nonsense. Um, now, <laughs> in the future, I may have to work with other formats. Please don't call me a hypocrite. I need to eat. So, little hint of what may be coming next in my life there, if you're interested. Things are happening in the background. But the Ashes is amazing. So, let me quickly do, give you a prediction. Um, Australia have no middle order, hey? It's just Labuschagne, minus Labuschagne, or Steve Smith. Um, the rest is nonsense. I don't know what Travis Head's doing. Travis Head, I said, was batting like he had his side chick who just DM'd him. And he had to go meet her somewhere. You're in control of the game. There's no need to play that shot. And if I hear one more person give me a nonsense cricket line, like, oh, that's just how he plays. You obviously don't watch cricket. I watch cricket. I know what Travis Head is like. He's not Adam Gilchrist. But I'm not comfortable with you being a number four batsman and not being adaptable. Like, bro, read the game. You're in charge. You're going... I mean, he was flying at that stage. They were going like five and over for that sort of 10, 10 over span. And he was all over Moen Ali. Right? I, th I think he'd already hit a boundary in that, um, in that over. And then he goes for the most ridiculous hoik I've ever seen. And then he gets caught. And, and it's a classic setup, right? They, they did set him up. They're like, okay, we can see this guy, you know, bull to a reg doll, uh, reg doll kind of thing. What's he doing? If you're going to be a number four, you need to be... So, so for those who don't watch cricket, right? Your best batsman in test cricket always bats at number four. Um, they come from Ricky Ponting, um, Michael Clark times. 
the reason you want your best at number four is that you want the new the new ball uh, to be seen off by your openers and your number three, and then number four should be flourishing and really be your game changer. So you should really be looking to protect him. Um, and Travis Head bats like he's batting seven. You know, I'm all for aggression. Ricky Ponting was aggressive, but not like that. You're in control of the game, and Travis Head's in there, and yesterday was the best time to bat. It was a road. He gets himself another 80-90. You know, they don't get bowled out for, I think they, they ended up 15 short or something like that. I, like, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, so they've got no middle order. I don't trust anybody in that team um, in the middle order. Shout out to Usman Kawaja, mate. Usman Kawaja also played a ridiculous shot to get out. I thought he got, he got caught up in the hype, right? Like, why are you double-stepping? Like, again, you are in control. So I thought he got caught up, but whatever. Sensational innings. Usman Kawaja with the century. Um, but my worry for us, no middle order. England have just crap bowlers. Like, you know what the temptation with Jimmy Anderson is? Because he's got all these wickets. What is it now? He's going to get like 700 wickets. It's unbelievable how long he's been playing. But, you know, his strike rate and his average are not great, Tane. He's like a 27 average and I think a 56 strike rate, which is every... So he's getting your wicket every 10 balls. I mean, every 10 overs. It's not It's not special. Now, I'm not big into longevity awards and I've always said availability is the greatest ability. So I do admire his longevity, but I like longevity if you're losing the other arguments, you know? So he's not like Dale Stain, like this devastating bowler. And he's 40 now. So... Uh, at, if anything, you know who shocks me is Broad. Broad still got that energy, but also Broad, like, not great numbers, hey? Not like the most highly effective people. Now, the longevity is where they've outseen great eras, and England have been relatively successful in the last sort of three, four years. Like, it's still not like dynastic, you know? People mustn't talk about England like the Australia 90s, noughties, you know? It's, it's not that. Like, Australia went from, you know, Ricky Ponting to Michael Clark, and even before that, from Mark Taylor to Steve Waugh to Ricky Ponting. And even before that, actually. So, Aust- uh, my God, you forget about how good Australia were for how, for how long as well. Three World Cups in a row, no big deal. One day cricket's a joke. But they went from Alan Border, Mark Taylor, from Mark Taylor... They went to Ricky Ponting. From Ricky Ponting, they went to Michael Clark. Unbelievable. That's uh, that's 25 years of just hysterical dominance. England's not that. Their bowling's crap. Like, why is Moeen Ali your spinner? How, how did we get here? So, that's a joke. So, what it does create, though, epic battle. What I do always go back to... And you, you know who's overrated is, is Ben Stokes. Again, go and look at the numbers. It's because he's had a few great moments. So everybody says he's a big game player. He's not actually. Like he had that one great tash, uh, tashes, Ashes um, innings. And what else? Like, I, I mean, dynastic cricket defining. Like he wasn't great in the World Cup when they won. Like, what is this? He's a match winner thing. Jacques Cullis, by the way, who has 45 test um, hundreds, is a better all-rounder 
than Ben Stokes. So, so stop telling me he's this era-defining guy. And if you support England, I'd love to know. Go and look at the numbers. Who's better, Botham or Stokes? Because I don't know. And I'm not having Stokes's like 32 batting average and like 30 bowling average. And you're telling me he's an all-time all-rounder. Please, man. Stop. Like, he's not. He's, he's not better than Lance Klusner. <laughs> he's just not. If Klusner runs in a World Cup, we're probably talking about the same guy. Numbers-wise, go and check it out. So I'm not big on Ben Stokes just because he... It, it's the same thing I always said about Flintoff as well. Like, I know they feel good. They, they're like a bit of a lad's lad. I like Flintoff. I like that kind of player. I like Stokes, but he's not a great player. Stop talking about him like he's a great player. He's not. He's exciting. He's fun. And every 40 innings, he does something amazing. Well, lots of people do that, by the way. It's just the marketing. So, not sure how this baseball thing's going to work out. But the England bowling's crap. So, what it does give you is a great series. Because Australia's batting's crap. The, um, England's bowling's crap. I think, though, however, whenever it comes to this, I always ask myself, who's got the, the megastar? Who, who's got the, the game changer, the X-Factor guy, who's better than their X-Factor guy? England's X-Factor is Joe Root. Australia have Manus Lyabusheng. And Steve Smith. Now, I know they've got nothing else in the middle order, but they've got two X-Factor guys. And their bowling's fantastic. England's bowling is a joke, right? England's batting, I would say, it's it's longer from the top. Um, sort of, you know, I really like what they've got up top. I like Brooke. I really, really like what Harry Brooke uh, brings. And then Bestos, you know, he is what he is, but to have Stokes at five? That's a serious batting line. You know? I think that's a serious... And then you've got best of what? At seven. I like that. I like that lineup. But Australia's bowling's fantastic. And they've got two X-Factor guys, right? Literally the number one and two best, uh, best batsmen in the world. And all England have is Joe Root. And nothing else in terms of X-Factor, in my opinion. I, I don't really see what else is X-Factor in that England team... Um, outside of what they do have is an incredibly cohesive unit and they've brought all in on what people are calling baseball. So, listen, team chemistry matters. They clearly like each other. Everyone's on board with, with Stokes. Um, I think he's a good leader. I, I'm not going to deny that just because I don't rate him as a cricketer. But he's a good leader. He's a great all-round package. Uh, and it's a nice story that he's come back um, from whatever he was going through and he's rocking again. But, but, but... What he will have to do is deliver because Steve Smith is going to deliver. Manus Labuschagne is going to deliver four or five big innings in this uh, series. Outside of Joe Root, who else is going to deliver? Because Harry Brook, I don't know. We don't know. Like, okay, the baseball has been fun when you've been playing university teams. But when you play South Africa and Australia, like grow up, you're going to have to play serious cricket, right? You can't be like Scotty Boylan, right? You can't be doing that against Scotty Boylan. Can't be playing willy-nilly against Scotty Bowling. They're too good. Those bowlers are too good. Hazelwood's just too good for that for that nonsense. They're playing, what do they call it out there? State cricket, mate. Hard-nosed striker. Those guys have seen all of this. Harry Brook's not in reinventing cricket. Like You don't think they saw Andrew Simons? These guys grew up around the greatest dynasty. 
I would argue the greatest dynasty sport has ever seen. You know, these bowlers are, Scotty Bowles in 34, mate. He played with Michael Clark. He played with Ricky Ponting. He played probably at the end of Ian Healy, Adam Gilchrist. He's been hardened. That state cricket, from what I read, is no joke. No joke. So, having said all of that, I back, I'm backing Australia. And I'm, I'm backing Australia to win quite easily because I had a look at both squads. I'm backing Australia for a 4-1 win here. Just because if Joe Root doesn't do anything, they are in big, big, big problems. I don't know who else is a big game player. Like, consistently, right? Ben Stokes is not consistent. So don't, don't allow your feelings about Ben Stokes' exciting moments that come to the top of your mind make you think the guy averages 50 in test cricket. He doesn't. He averages, like, just on 50, which is very mediocre. That's like what a number seven should average. And even then, Adam Gilchrist is averaging 49. So that's changed. I, I don't get the fascination with Stokes as some match winner. But okay, whatever. One moment and everybody remembers it. All of a sudden, he's Jacques Colors. I don't get it. Fine. He's a very good captain. But outside of Joe Root, there's no X Factor, in my opinion. All right, this is not an Ashes podcast. Let's move on. Australia, 4-1. Australia. For one, if you're into rugby, hey, I saw the All Black squad today. It is the first time I've ever seen an All Black squad where I can't point to one player and say that's the greatest player to ever play in that position since I've been alive. So I've been watching rugby for 30 years religiously. Right, 31 years actually. Since I was six years old, I'm 37 now. 31 years religiously. Like I love rugby. I would be happy to test my rugby knowledge against anybody in the world i've i study it i study it i'm a historian i'm just in love with particularly the international game it is the first time i've ever seen an all black team where i can't say zinzan you know fitzpatrick daniel carter andrew mertens christian cullen you know tana umang i could point to those guys and say this guy's the best in the world or is the best ever right Every single All Black squad since I was six years old, I could say this guy's the best ever in the history of modern day rugby or rugby at all. Aaron Smith, I'm sorry, you're not better than Fury Dupree. Fury Dupree is the greatest scrum off of all time and it's not a competition. He's the only one of like, maybe. Maybe. And even then, I'd still take Justin Marshall over him. But okay, whatever. Aaron Smith's phenomenal. Some of the best off the deck um, service I've ever seen. But this all-black team is no source. It's the least saucy all-black team I've ever seen. And it's the first time they don't have a dynastic player. Like a, like a generational all-timer where you go, oh, I love Aaron Smith. I don't know if he's generational, though. I don't feel like he's got that aura, you know? So, all-blacks. Having said that, maybe I should do, you, you know what? Those who want a rugby podcast, and I've had a few people say, do a rugby podcast, or do you th- who do you think is going to win the Rugby World Cup? Slide in the DMs. Should I do a rugby podcast as well? Should I just do three different podcasts? I don't know. Maybe that's a bit much. Should I be talking rugby? Probably not. Eh? It's a bit niche. I'm trying to get... I, I don't know if sponsors want to hear about rugby. I love rugby. But again, it's, it's even more niche than cricket, I think. But I have my thoughts about the World Cup... If you'd like to hear those, maybe I'll do it in another podcast. If you want me to talk about uh, my thoughts about the Rugby World Cup coming up, let me know. 
Perhaps I do that on another show. But this All Black team, no source. No source. El terrible. As they say. I'm sure they say that somewhere. I don't know in what country. It's, it sounds exotic though. Sounds, sounds like it could be Spanish or Italian. You know? I, I don't know if it actually means the terrible. I, I don't know. I think I heard it somewhere. I think I heard it maybe Speedy Gonzalez when I was younger. It's a cartoon themed show today. All Blacks are finished. However, having said that, that's by their standards. I have my thoughts on the World Cup. Maybe I'll give that, um, that take on another show. Um, finish off on this one. Uh, for this part of the show. Um, Novak Djokovic, 23. He's the greatest. And he's better than Nadal because Nadal's a bit of a French Open merchant. Like, that does matter, right? Like, the, the surfaces are all so different as well. Like, don't please don't think Australian Open and US Open surfaces are the same. They, even those two hard courts are completely different. So, it's Novak, it's Roger, and then it's the great Rafa Nadal. And by the way, it's it's not like a argument. That's what it is. Like it it has to count against Rafa that he's a he's a single surface merchant, right? For like what was it, eleven? Hey, I mean, it's incredible what he did at Roland Garros. That that I'm not punishing him. I think it was more than that, like fourteen, however many it was at Roland Garros. But the better all round tennis player is Novak Djokovic. He, he's won a minimum of three of every single one of them. He's the only one in history. No, he's the greatest. He's the greatest. And by the way, I'm very, very clear on this. Is that I don't like his stance on vaccines. Like, listen, everybody's entitled to, to their own life, whatever. I come from a sciences background academically. I I, I respect that field and I understand what scientific standards and, and ethics are. Um, I saw, yeah, saw such a disgusting thing about Joe Rogan wanting to debate or have a doctor debate Robert Kennedy. I'm like, oh my God, if doctors are debating pod- podcasters and famous people, the societies and problems, but okay, whatever, that's fine. Everyone's entitled. But just because I don't like Novak Djokovic and his, his life philosophy, he's not somebody I could be friends with doesn't mean he's not the greatest. You don't have to like people. Like, it is now universal. It is it is undisputed now. He is the greatest tennis player of all time. Holistically, as well. It, it was close for a while. Like, mm, it's not close now. It's Novak. It's Roger. And you don't have to win the most titles to be the greatest, by the way. It's Novak. It's Roger. And it's the great Rafa Nadal. All three sensational. We're gifted to have seen seen all of them. Shout out Novak Djokovic. Game changer. Been an honor to watch what you're doing. And by the way, he could get to 30. Because he's 36, is he, you know? But he's not like... Yeah. He's not like those other guys. Because his style isn't actually that demanding. His whole thing is just being fit. He's a grinder. From what I can see, he takes it incredibly seriously. He's committed to the game. I've never heard Novak... Be doing a madness off the field, drinking, whatever. He seems so committed and he, he looks the same now as he did at 21. He is in incredible shape. He's just a monster and he'll grind you down. He's a holistic game and his game's not that impactful on his body. 
like Roger for his elegance, but high torque action through everything. That single hand, backhand. I mean, it's a lot, man. And and Roger's a tremendous athlete. You know, he's covering lots of ground. Novak just feels like so smooth, just such a natural. Of the three of them, he's the most natural athlete. Novak's just such a fluid athlete and low impact style. Double hand, backhand. We should probably minus two um, majors for that. I don't like a double hand, backhand. Never have. Never will. That's why I like Roger. Single hand backhand, if you can play a backhand at that level, also costs um, the great Rafa Nadal. Double hand backhand. Get that out of here. Roger. The artful dodger. Shout out Novak. Brilliant. Legendary. Just. Isn't it amazing to get to see all of them play? We are so fortunate. If you. I'm 37 now. If you are my age, you are. You, you've seen Johnny Wilkinson, Daniel Carter, Tom Brady. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, Rafa Nadal, Roger Federer, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, and now the great Novak Djokovic. And, and you're seeing Patrick Mahomes. It's hysterical. Steph Curry. We are so lucky to be alive right now. Because you may never get this concentration of greatness again. Because... When sports science kicked in, sort of 95, 96, they, these guys were the first, right? And now there's a lot of parity where all of these young athletes do their 10,000 hours now. You know, it's sort of ubiquitous that here's what you need to do to at least be world class. And then there's those differentiators where the talent, talent always overcome hard work, I'm afraid. That's just how it is. You, you know, if you work, if a talent person works as hard as, a mediocre sort of genetic person, let's just use genetics, the talent's going to win. The talent's just going to win. So I think there's too much talent now that has been well coached to ever see that sort of disparity. I, I really believe it. Oh, Leo Messi, by the way, left him out. Cristiano Ronaldo, left him out. Not bad. Those two, not bad. Not the worst. Zinedine Zidane, Ronaldinho. These are the kinds of people we've seen. We are so fortunate. We are so grateful. As a sports fan, I'm just so grateful to have seen all these people. And Novak Djokovic is another one. Michael Schumacher, by the way. Lewis Hamilton. I mean, Formula One's a snorefest. Put put it on a different channel. Don't put it on TV. Put it on snorefest TV. Motorsport in general. But Michael Schumacher, unglaublich. These, the greatness is so rare and we have seen so much of it in our time. Thank you. Thank you to Novak Djokovic. Thank you to all these great people. Because ultimately what they let you know is, hey, here's what could happen if you try. I love it. I love it. And, and grateful. Super grateful. All right, let's get into the football. Let's get into the football. Hope you had a great weekend. Before we get into the football, did you, did you ever fight with your mom yesterday? You know? Did you say... You know what? I'm never talking to you again. You, you never support me with my boyfriend. And you haven't spoken to her again. And now you're in the car and you're like, what am I doing? Why am I fighting with this woman? We were just having an honest conversation. It was the heat of the moment. I lost my rag a little bit. Maybe that happened to you yesterday. You know what will make you feel better? Take two minutes. Go and give us a five-star rating. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Wherever you listen to your podcast, it'll make you feel slightly better. 
And then after that, maybe just drop your mom a text. Hope you have a good week. And hopefully that smooths things over. Send her some food for lunch. You know, Uber Eats or whatever. I mean, no free advertising, but I don't use Uber Eats. I use, I use Mr. D. Oh my goodness, I've just ad- advertised for them again. There's, there's a reason for that. I'll talk about it in another show. It's not that serious, but Mr. D. Mr. Delivery, because I know there's some sickos out there laughing at themselves. Going, ha ha, Mr. D. See what you've done there. That's not what I meant. It's Mr. Delivery. Get your, get your head out of the gutter. It's 2023. All right, let's get into it. Speaking of Mr. D. So, David De Gea, hey? Um, it's an interesting one, that one, if you're a Man United fan. Da, David, or, or if, you're, if you're Spanish, they, they say the B like a David. You say David De Gea. The V is a B in Spanish. Valencia. You say, you say, you play. So it's David De Gea. He's becoming a problem for Man United. But before I get into that, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a friend who's got a terrible partner? Right? Just like, oh goodness, this person's unbearable. No one in the friendship group likes them. They're unbearable when they get drunk. They maybe have, they're overly aggressive with like their religious beliefs. And now they, they want to tell us like, whatever, they, they have no social skills. They make it uncomfortable for everyone, right? The person in the relationship, though, particularly if there are no confidence uh, SOB, they they are usually the person, the last person to realize because everyone's going, bro, what are you doing? This chick's terrible. This chick's terrible. I've got a quick story for you there. I once told my friend that his girlfriend was terrible. I mean, I've done it many times, but in this particular case, it's why I don't say it anymore to anyone if they ask me. I told my friend, so quick story, quick aside, we'll come back to David to go. Um, funny, this guy texted me last year and we, we, we talking again. <laughs> it was incredible. Anyway, this guy asked me, let's just say it was a Wednesday. I can't remember. It was during the week. And he'd had a fight with this girl and she had, she's displayed some behavior, which is, which is crazy by... <laughs> Who's the Flash guy? Who's just Ezra, whatever his name is, all the crazy stuff he's doing. This girl was that level of crazy. And I said to him, so he came and told us, oh, Oaks, I broke up with her, whatever. We were like, oh my goodness, what took you so long? Chick's terrible. Anywho, so now it's like, okay, cool. On the weekend, we go and watch, I'll never forget, we go and watch rugby at his brother's house, this, this guy. Who does he walk in with? You won't believe it. Walks in with Missy over there. That's not the best part of the story. She comes to me and says, I heard what you said about me. Oh my goodness, this guy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> real story. I'm telling you a real story. I'm telling you my real life, people. I do not comment on my friends' partners anymore. I, I, and Listen. Be honest with yourself. You don't like all of your friends, girlfriends, or boyfriends. Like, it's just what life is, right? Whatever. They love them. It's not your problem. Like, hey. So, real story that happened to me. Anywho. You know what tends to happen to those kinds of people? They're always the last person to kind of see that person's, their partner's faults. And by the time they come around, it's too late. We've moved on. Like, I don't speak to that dude anymore. 
eventually we caught up last year, but it's like, I've moved on, bro. I'm living my life now. I've been living my life for years. You know? And what they don't realize is we're all selfish. We think the world will wait for us. Like, no, by the time you see it, we've moved on. We're living our lives, mate. It's cooking out you. We've known David De Gea wasn't good enough for an elite club for five years, if you're not a Man United fan. I said five years ago, listen, I have lots of Man United uh, like followers, right, as friends. Well, friends are strong. They, they support Man United. I, I always got to watch these charlatans, you know what I mean? But I, I've been saying it to my friends for five years. I'm like, this guy's not good enough. And you know what they always say to me? He's an incredible shot stopper. I say to them, he's supposed to be. He's playing goalkeeper. <laughs> he's supposed to be an incredible shot stopper. So that's not a reason to be at Manchester United. But what it shows you is how far Man United have fallen. Because if you want to be elite, that's not good enough anymore. You've got to be a poor ball-playing goalkeeper. And De Gea's joke. You know how I know De Gea's terrible? He's at Man United and can't make the Spain team. Can't even make the Spain squad anymore. Because they're playing tic-a-tacker, by the way. So shot stopper, get that out of here. What are you talking about? We're about ball retention here. But when you get to the elite level, because Man United haven't been elite since Fergie left, right? 2013, it's a decade now, they're a mediocre club. And I'm not just saying that, they are. Like, go look at the record books. They have not been close to the title in 10 years. Chelsea's won it twice in that time. Man City's just about made it their own. I think won it four times. Leicester have even won it since then, right? Liverpool have won it since then. In the last decade, United have as many... Premier League titles as me, and I've been sitting in South Africa and traveling the world and having a good time. I haven't even participated in the league. I have, I have as many Premier League titles as Man United in the last decade. A decade's a long time, guys. It's a third of the existence of the Premier League. They are no, no longer. It is. They are officially the BlackBerry, right, versus Nokia, versus Samsung, versus iPhones in this industry called the Premier League. So they're not elite anymore. But if you want to be clear about what elite looks like and what it is, especially in the goalkeeper position, Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, those are the most successful teams for a reason. All three are ball-playing goalkeepers. Chelsea, Champions League uh, winners two years ago. Liverpool, three years ago. League champions. Man City, the preeminent sort of team right now in global football and have been for the last five, six years. But there's a big reason why you need the goalkeeper in modern-day football, especially with Eric Ten Hag's Ajax sort of total football uh, star, right? Is that there's two reasons. There's two major reasons. I mean, I don't want to make this a... Like, I love football tactics. By the way, if you don't know, I do like to talk about it. I'm that guy of back in my day. But I played academy football from six and played professional football till I was 25 years old. I know this thing inside out. Trust me. But there's two things that a ball-playing goalkeeper does for you. And the most important thing in modern-day football is that he, he does something called squeeze the pitch. So if you've ever seen Rafa Benitez, I saw a great Mourinho video about this, but if you've ever seen Rafa Benitez putting his fingers together, all right, what he's saying is make the pitch smaller. It's, it's what um, Jose Mourinho calls beautifully the principles of play. He says the principles of play never change. Formations can change. But the principle of play must never change. So when Rafa's doing that is you must be compact, particularly on uh, when you're defending. Be compact, be tight. 
But when you get to that next level with Pep is he likes to recover the ball between six and eight seconds from what, from what I've read. So a ball-playing goalkeeper will squeeze your back three, back four, back five up because he's confident enough, if this thing breaks to me, don't worry about it, I'll put it on my chest and we'll keep playing. But David De Gea is traditional old-school goalkeeper still standing in his box. I mean, he has no confidence at all in his ability to receive the ball and do the second most important part is recycle the ball quickly, Right? Because your modern-day goalkeeper has to be a playmaker. The greatest goalkeeper of all time, and I think the best keeper in the world still, after he, he must just stop skiing in the middle of the season, is Manuel Neuer. And with Manuel Neuer, by the way, I don't want to hear anybody else. It's, it's not close. Manuel Neuer could play holding mid. He's so good. And he's the best shot stopper, I think, of all time. I've never seen anything like him. He's just un, unreal. right? So he's David De Gea times five in terms of shot stopping. And then he's Vito Valdez with his feet and better. I mean, you've seen Manuel Neuer. It's hysterical, that guy. Absolutely hysterical. He's the greatest goalkeeper of all time. He, he changed the sweeper-keeper, and it's never been the same again. And there hasn't been a complete package like Manuel Neuer. Crosses, shot-stopping, commanding. He's a captain, a goalkeeper. He's just, he's just everything. It's like having Ike Casillas, Allison, and David De Gea in one body. And maybe a bit of Edison as well, because he, hey, he will hit that 80-yard ball. No problem. No problem. I feel like he was designed in a lab somewhere in Germany. Absolutely incredible. But the ability to recycle the ball and be a playmaker from goalkeeper is is irreplaceable now. Because if you want to play at the top, you know what you have to be able to do? Have the patience to, to have 60% possession. That's what these great teams do. They grind you down. And if they don't see it, by the way, you see Man City, they are happy to start again. And you've got to have a goalkeeper who's going to keep it moving. And then start it. You must remember the goalkeeper has to start. A big part of it is he's got to be able to pick a pass. David De Gea is calamity FC with his feet. I mean, he's 1990s goalkeeper. His problem is that he's a goalkeeper. Right? He's not a sweeper keeper. You need a playmaking keeper to be elite. Allison. And if you watch the Champions League final, well, you saw what Onana was doing. Because I can sacrifice shot stopping and cross collection if you're going to be elite with the ball player. Because... Well, if you want to be an elite team, we've got the ball anyway. No worries. People blame um, Harry Maguire. There's been three or four where De Gea has sold them down the river because the quality of pass out as well. Like, like it's not there. The ball striking is not there. It's not there. David De Gea is he's an analog clock in a digital time. He's not good enough. Like, he's not good enough for the elite level. He should be at Everton. Like, Martinez at Aston Villa is better than him. He is better than him. They're like, that is how we play football now. We want to play out from the back. And it's incredibly important. He's, in, he's as important as your libero, right? Often he's occupying the role of the libero in the elite teams, right? You see Edison. Edison is playing the ball between his halfway line and, uh, and his box. He's way out of his box. And he's distributing from his box. I mean, you see the amount of potential assists he's giving. Like, that's a part of the modern game now. You need to be an attacking threat. And if you're not, you're not an elite goalkeeper, then you shouldn't be at Man United if they want to be elite. If Man United are happy being sneaking into the top four every four or five years, okay, great, keep De Gea, and he can get his golden gloves because you play two holding midfielders in Fred and McTominay. Like, people act surprised that he got the golden glove. You play the most defensive formation of all the big teams. You can't play with Tomine and Fred and think you're not going to... Like, of course you're not going to concede. You're playing six at the back. 
So it's not that much of an achievement. We need to open up. Just have Rodri by himself and then our goalkeeper is a playmaker. What are we doing? He's just not good enough. And I think Pickford's better. I'm seeing reports of 45 million for Pickford. I don't know if that's official. I didn't check the source for that. I would get Pickford. Don't worry about the mistakes. Like, that doesn't matter. The Pickford's got unbelievable ball striking, by the way. And he's got that Edison kind of cocky confidence to think, oh, I'm going to ping it. Oh, Anthony's away. Great. Let me. And he's got tremendous distribution. That's why Pickford's England's number one goalkeeper. He's, he's not the best goalkeeper. What he is, is he's the best sweeper keeper. And he's a genuine attacking threat, right? His distribution, and he pings it, that Jordan Pickford guy. T-Rex arms, fine, whatever. I can sacrifice that. I don't need that anymore in modern day football. Because at the elite level, we should be at 55, 58, 60% ball possession anyway. Who cares? They're not going to get a clean shot on us. And if they score, it's an absolute zinger. No worries, you live with that. If it's a, if it's a top bins, you live with that. T-Rex arms doesn't get to it. No worries. And you build in four or five mistakes a season because he's going to give you control. Modern day football is all about control, especially at the elite level. Can your keeper squeeze that back four up so that they're playing in their half? That's what you're looking for, right? You're looking... So, so at the very, very top level, you watch those top teams, they're looking somewhere between 15 and 20 meters from center back to striker especially when they defend. So that's when you call compact, right? When you're very, very tight, the very, very top teams and like Man City are doing this, prime Bayern Munich are doing this. You're looking at about 15 to 18 to 20 meters from center back to striker. That's how compact they get. Um, And then that unit of movement, by the way, then you're moving up and down like that and you are just strangling teams. You are just strangling teams. If you can, the, the higher your back four can be, right? The more likely you are to dominate. People say, well, why don't you just chip it over the keeper? Like, that's not how it works. It's not how it works with those top teams. Once the principles of play are right, David Gay needs to leave. Like, just sell him. Just get rid of him. Should have got rid of him five years ago. Analog clock in a digital time. He is so poor. He's so poor. If I hear a good, he's a good shot stopper. What are you even talking about? Who cares? Who, like, who cares? Vito Valdez was a calamity with his hands. But he was a ball player. So Pep's like, oh, great. You're in. You're in. Absolute calamity. I mean, you remember the mistakes he used to make for Barcelona. But I read an incredible um, article with uh, one of the greatest wingbacks of all time, Gianluca Zambrotta. And he said, at AC Milan, he was one of the best players in the team. At Barcelona, he, he, he's, his feet weren't even as good as a goalkeeper who was Vito Valdez. Think about that. That was 13, 14 years ago. David Gale was outdated 14 years ago. Now he is just, he's a relic. It's embarrassing. If you're a Man United fan, you're still defending David Gale. It's embarrassing. Stop praising people for what they should be doing. He should be a good shot stopper. That is your job as a goalkeeper. And, and now, if you, the, the problem with a shot stopper, finish off on this. He has no room to breathe if he makes mistakes. Like in the FA Cup final, you saw what happened. Two mistakes. Now what? He doesn't give you anything else. He doesn't give your team shape. He doesn't give you ascendancy. He's not a leader. Like David Gea is not Ike Casillas. You know, he's not Manuel Neuer. He's not one of the, he's not Fabian Bartes. It's not like you, you've got this awe-inspiring personality at the back. 
all you've got is an athletic dude. There's lots of shot stoppers if that's what you want. But that's for that's for Bournemouth. It's not. And and again, I think Man United made a huge mistake getting rid of Henderson. Because Henderson is a modern day goalkeeper. I don't know why the English don't like him, but he is a modern day goalkeeper. I think he's better than the Arsenal guy. I, I really do. I, re- I just don't know what United were doing. But get rid of the gay. You're, you're laughing. Listen, we all know that one person with a terrible partner. No one likes her. No one likes him. But your friend never sees it. They're always the last to see it. The word fan means fanatical. Man United fans. They are fanatical. And also what's happened is they've become a mediocre club. So they will accept the bare minimum and say things like, he's a great shot stopper. What are we... What? Hysterical. Love to know what you think. Slide in the DMs at MKT Inspires. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT Show. Drop me a mail. What do you think? David DeGay, if you're a Man United fan, should he stay? Should he go? Should I stay or should I go now? I don't know, man. I don't know. It doesn't seem that complicated to me. I said it to my friends five years ago. And of course, he's going to win the Golden Glove. I just want to say it one more time. You're playing six at the back. The formation this year for Man United, they must stop saying that their centre-backs are so good. They weren't. They're playing Fred and McTominay, who sit on the back four, by the way. They're playing two number sixes, and both extremely defensive in a back four. That's six at the back. I mean, unbelievable. But hey, it is what it is. A fallen club. How the mighty have fallen. At MKT Inspire, slide in the DMs. Um, otherwise, MKT at the MKT show is the electronic mail. All right, we'll do one more and I'll answer some questions from the um, the DMs. Do one more, answer some questions from the DMs. Um, Kylian Mbappe. It's become a bit of a mess, hasn't it? What's he doing sending a letter to the Qatari guys? Obviously, there's been a relationship breakdown there. Um, I don't know what's quite happened there. I'm looking forward to the story when it comes out. But you know who Kylian Mbappe reminds me of? Um, he reminds me of Mike Tyson. The, the, the talent's freakish, right? The talent's there. Like, it's clear he's, he's special. But let me tell you something. And I, I could even speak to it in, in, in my own sort of football journey. I, I'm nowhere near Kylian Mbappe. That's not what I'm saying, by the way. Let's be very clear. I'm... Not one millionth of Kylian Mbappe, but I played a similar position and I was an absolute mess when I was younger. But let me tell you something talents cannot overcome. And I've only seen it slightly overcome three times in my life in Mike Tyson, Paul Gascoigne and Diego Maradona. But raw talent, right? It's great, but it'll never overcome chaos. And in chaos... Talent can never reach its true potential. Chaos is the enemy of progress. It always has been, whether in society or for individuals, but more so now in professional environments. I don't care how talented you are. You will never overcome a chaotic environment. And then what's even worse, if it's a self-imposed, then there's a whole another level of chaos. Because what you're letting me know is you've got personal chaos, which Mike Tyson and Diego Maradona and Paul Gascoigne couldn't overcome. 
but now you're creating professional chaos, which means your work environment is going to be chaos because you've got the president of bloody France phoning in to shape your career. Here's the thing about Kylian Mbappe. He's, he's 25 in December. He's not young anymore. All right? And the thing about young men, I'll speak for myself here, is when you pay men, I, I, I can't speak for women, but when you pay men, you affirm their behavior. And it's come out in well-sourced reports that he got Carlo Ancelotti fired, Tuchel fired, um, and it's not gone well for Neymar. I mean, Neymar is his own thing. He would have had to sign off on Neymar, though. If you're getting Neymar as a, like a partner, I'm like, do you even take this thing seriously? But there's another thing with affirmed behavior. What happens if he leaves and he gets Carlo Ancelotti, Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, whoever it is at the next club, right? Mauricio Pochettino. They're not putting up with nonsense because they're going to be given the proxy and the power to coach hard. And don't give me France. There's nothing Didier Deschamps can tell him. Right? Like, whatever. I, I'm, <laughs> you know, Griezmann's kind of on the way out and the rest of the French guys are done. Matuidi's done. I'm the guy now. So don't tell me he's taken hard coaching from him. Like, whatever. What happens at club level if he gets to Real Madrid and he's not into hard coaching? Because Zinedine Zidane's not putting up with that crap. Zidane is not putting up with any of that crap. Like, hey, you come here, you do what we say. Cristiano Ronaldo ran here. You know what I mean? Gareth Bale was running here. And you are not any of those guys. You are not Gareth Bale. You are not Cristiano Ronaldo. You have done nothing in your career to suggest you are at that level. Nothing. Don't give me the World Cup thing. I don't want to go over that again. You have failed in the Champions League. And you've never really been there. Come at the hour. Come at the man. Gareth Bale is busy, busy knocking in bicycle kicks in the Champions League finals. Scoring era-defining goals against Barcelona. You know the one I'm talking about. I think it's a... What was it? Uh, the Copa del Rey. Or could have been the other one. But anyway, maybe the King's Cup or whatever that one's called. But you know what I'm talking about. Gareth Bale, generational, three in a row. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't win a Champions League without Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale is an all-time footballer and part-time golfer as well. Shout out to GB11. But you're not that. You get to Real Madrid, you're not a superstar anymore. We coach hard here, mate. It's about football here. It's not about all the other stuff. We'll take care of the other stuff. We're Real Madrid, don't worry about it. We'll do the, the selling stuff. You must play. And play part of, you're part of a team here. We don't do this. You don't get to dictate the coach to Florentina Perez. To Todd Bully. That is not going to happen. You think Sheikh Mansour is taking personal phone calls? Sheikh Mansour has been to what? Like three games in his life. He's not taking personal phone calls from Kylian Mbappe. He's 25 years old now. One thing I know about young men, once you've paid them, you affirm their behavior. Can't bully football clubs. Where's he going to go? But the way he's conducted himself, I don't think he takes this thing seriously. And by the way, I've played football again. Please don't think everybody loves football just because you do. These players don't have to love your clubs and they don't love your clubs. For some guys, they're just talented dudes. And I, remember I listed all those greats earlier? He, not everyone's LeBron James. Not everyone is incredibly generationally talented and going to be the hardest worker. Not everyone's Cristiano Ronaldo. Not everyone's Leo Messi. I think Erling Haaland's closer to those guys than Mbappe because I'm watching their behavior. It's been chaos since the beginning. I don't think this guy takes it seriously. 
You can't say yes to Real Madrid and then say no. You can't have the president of your country influencing your decision. right? And then you cannot be called a world great and you stay at PSG in the current global environment until you're 25 years old. He's going to be 26 by the time he moves to a big club. He's 24 now, he'll be 25 in January, essentially 26 by the middle of next season. Erling Haaland at 22 has just dropped maybe the greatest album a striker has ever has dropped in the modern day game. 22. And you, you know what I don't like to hear from people is noise. Like, think of all the people. Tom Brady, never noisy. LeBron James, it's not noisy from the background. Like he's moving. I've moved. I'm playing basketball. Myself and Maverick are making money and I'm building schools. It's not noisy. Like Kevin Durant, it's always noisy, right? Like Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, it's not noisy from the back. But my God, considering he's only 24 years old, it's been so noisy from the background of Kylian Mbappe, which worries me because I don't think chaos is your friend. Ask Paul Pogba. And people always said I hated, I hated Pogba. I said, I've seen this before. It's too noisy. Especially when you the noise. Like, that grinds you down. I don't think he takes it seriously, to be honest with you. He doesn't handle his business in an elite manner. It should be quiet. Bernardo Silva, look how he's moving. These, these great players, it's quiet in the background. Boom, he moves football clubs. Talent cannot overcome chaos, and you've got to take it seriously. I just don't think Mbappe takes it seriously. I don't. And I have no problem with him taking the money. By the way, I've got no problem with that. But you're not conducting yourself like a generational talent. Because chaos is the enemy of progress. It just is. I don't know how to tell you guys. I don't know what else to tell you. All right, let's go to the mailbag, eh? Slide in the end. At MKT Inspires, what do you think of Kylian Mbappe? Listen, I think it's too late now. He can't catch Haaland, to be completely honest. And, and I said, he also doesn't have the personality to be the face of football. I think Haaland's the face of football. Haaland is the face of football. He takes it seriously. I mean, look what he's just done with City. I don't care what you think of City. What he's just done, I, I, I couldn't have dreamt that in a million years. That he'd be that good, that quickly, immediately. <laughs> you know... He came into a perfect team, but you still got to deliver. And that could have been Mbappe if he took it seriously. Could you imagine Mbappe and Vinicius? Oh, my God. Be insane. I think Vinicius is better than Mbappe, but for a different show. It's a mess with Mbappe. Chaos is not your friend, guys. I know it seems cool and sexy and like rap. Maybe it's this like rap, hip-hop culture, like this thug and lifestyle, Ja Morant. I understand it feels sexy to be like cool and just do it against the man. Like you're working for a corporate company, dude. You are a corporate company. Conduct yourself accordingly. You're a blue chip stock. Conduct yourself accordingly. Like Microsoft aren't wiling out, dude. Apple are not wiling out. Shut up. Let your lawyers do do it. And if your lawyers aren't keeping it quiet, change your lawyers. Because he's got it. Is he another guy with his mum? Hey, I think he's got his mum. Oh, my goodness. Madness. Absolute madness. All right, let's get in the mailbag. Start off with um, 
Oh, if you, if you want me to answer your question, slide in DMs at MKT. That's Mike Kilo Tango, MKT Inspires. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT Show. Slide in DMs and I'll answer your questions. Start off with Tepo. Tepo says, um, so he, he's asking about employment. He said, so I recently graduated as a civil engineer. So uh, no big deal, he says. <laughs> um, so it's been four months of corporate bullshit. But I'm not going to lie, there are good parts and horrible parts. Do you have any advice for a freshly young person um, on how to move in the corporate landscape? Because, wow, school doesn't teach you how to move. Fair enough, dude. I just left like my first real corporate job. I mean, I've worked with corporates my whole life, whatever. You've you, you got to interact with the corporates. They're, they're people with money. Unless you're a trust fund kid. You know. Even angel investment guys, they generally operate in a corporate way. In fact, they probably, they are harder than corporates. I've pitched so many investment guys. Anyway, let me keep it simple, man. Um, first and foremost, your job as a young person, all right? And it's where I think I've done quite well in the working world, even as a freelancer. I've never hit it like in the big time income-wise yet. I've done Okay. But what I have done is built incredible relationships. When I left this job, I couldn't believe the amount of people that were ready to work with me. But I forget that I've done some cool stuff, you know, in the last 10 years, worked around the world and, and gained some cool experience. But, but the thing I've done the best is build relationships. Like if I can tell you now, suffer the pain of building relationships and, and don't be fake about it. Like be into it, be into your relationships care about what people are doing, who they are, who their children are. Like these things matter to people. Um, I would highly encourage that, you know, which is funny. I'm not very good at personal relationships, but I've been incredibly good with, with professional relationships and just having a good name in the business. Like I've just got a great name in my business in South Africa, um, production space, uh, speaking space. And, you know, I conduct myself accordingly, I'd like to think. But it's on the back of relationships. Build relationships and do it now. Because you know what's going to happen if you build relationships? In 10 years time, your age mates are going to be in charge somewhere. And life happens. Just trust me. Life happens. You need to be able to pick up the phone and go, hey, dude, I'm looking for a move. Hey, dude, I want to try and move overseas. Are you guys hiring? You know, you want to be top of mind in terms of character because that's the most important thing, all right? The more serious people get, they don't really care about talent. There's lots of talent out there. Make sure your character's on point. So build relationships. And and that now, that is complex, right? I'm making it sound easy. It's, it's not easy. I'm really fortunate that I have a mother that encouraged me and I, I could always ask her for advice in terms of relationship building and and how to approach things and how to deal with different types of people. And also, I've got a natural personality for dealing with people. I just do. Like, whatever. I'm not being funny. But if you don't have that, develop it. If you're, if you're under 30 years old, go to every office party. Go to, and please don't be the drunk guy. Because no, no one likes that. I'll, I'll come to that in a little bit. Don't be the drunk guy. Don't be the drunk girl. Right? Go to every single event. You should be... That the one who's tired at the office because you're you're attending all of the social media events, you're attending all of the conference the, the 
crappy conferences you have to go to. Take business cards. Introduce yourself. Shake hands. You know, I'm so-and-so. Who are you? What do you do? Be interested in seniors. Be interested in people that have done it before you. That's massive. It'll, it'll go a long way. Because my father once, you know, he used to say this to me, and it used to drive me crazy, but I see exactly what he means. He says, only idiots learn from their own mistakes. Only idiots learn from their own mistakes. And I, I really believe that, and I try and behave that way now, where I ask my elders for, for advice, and I try to avoid red flags. So learn from people, build relationships, and if you are able to go on these conferences and things like this, go to, if you're young, be keen, be over keen, right? Don't try and be cool. Like there's nothing worse than somebody who's like too cool to be seen trying. It is your job to be the hardest working person in your environment because you are meaningless. Like I know with this new generation, you think oh, I've come from varsity, I deserve, I deserve all this thing. You don't deserve anything. You don't deserve to be loved. That's not how the world works. It is your job to make yourself lovable. Just humble yourself to that. Build relationships. And it's difficult. But in five, six, seven, eight years time, it'll be worth it. Because everybody remembers a handshake. Everybody remembers that guy who was funny to be with, nice to be with, who was decent to their, who asks about, hey, how's your daughter? She's still playing netball. Did she get the scholarship? I promise you that it sounds silly, but these things work because it, it's, it's how I, you know, I'm genuinely interested in how people do it. Or I'd like to think so anyway, you know. So that's number one. And quite frankly, I think that's the easiest one, but it's challenging. But the next one's kind of difficult, bro. What you've got to decide Right. I say this to, to everyone. By the way, we live in a terrifying world where people in my family and, and, and elsewhere think I'm a good person to send their young kids to for career advice. Because I'm not like a hugely successful person, by the way. You know, I, like, I just do fine and I'm quite disciplined with my money for the first time in my life. So I can live a little bit. I live in a tiny cottage now. So I have very few personal costs in life. It's tiny. It's a one-bedroom cottage. It's minute. I want to try and enjoy my life. But what I say to everyone is, and this is an individual thing. It's got nothing to do with your parents, your background, where you come from. Like You're clearly a smart person. You're an engineer. What you've got to decide is how much of your life, right, your personal life, you're willing to sacrifice for your job. Because that's really, really important, right? It's a deliberate decision you have to make. Because you, you've got to decide, where do you want to get in your life? Do you want to be the best? Or do you want to live a good life? And what you've got to be very clear about, don't be romantic about it. Right? And I'm speaking from, I'm an extremist. Everything in my life, I, I've got basically no personal life, to be completely honest. Like, it's my family, like three or four friends, and then I'm working. Everything in my life suffers to the detriment of my work. Right? Or, or vice versa. Everything suffers because of my work. I am obsessed with my work. I work all the time. I don't take time off. It's not my thing. Do you want to be that person? Because you must be willing to make the personal sacrifices then. Like, I don't want to hear, I want to have a good time and be the best at my work. That's not how it works. Unless you're a genius and there's very few of those. And, like, cut the shit. 
there's no such thing as balance. Like, are you into it or not? Do you, do you want to be the CEO of your company or not? You know, do you want to be making 200 grand a month in four or five years or not? Because you, you, you can be the cool guy at the office and be making 50 grand, 60 grand a month. You know, in five, six years, I'd like to think as an engineer, you're probably making, if you're making 50 grand, that's what, that, that should be the minimum you should be looking for in four or five years time. Or do you want to be the 200 grand guy and at 30 be able to pivot and retire and take two years off, right? And be getting a cool four or 500,000 rand bonus at the end of the year. Because you can be that person, by the way. But then you need to give up your, your, your personal life. Like you've got to be the guy working on Sundays. Like I don't want to hear it. Forget about balance. That's bullshit. That's rich kids on Instagram will tell you about balance and bullshit like that. It's bullshit. Don't worry about that. You'll take care of yourself because you should, right? You should make time to be taking care of yourself anyway. But that's not balance. That's not what I mean by balance. You don't need to go on a yoga course. Like, look after your mental health on the weekend instead of drinking. You should be taking time to think about yourself, think about what you want. Like, you're not special for doing that. It, you should be doing that anyway. Like, these rich kids on Instagram that make it seem like it's so difficult. It's not. Like, you'd be taking five, six hours a weekend to think about yourself anyway. You're not special for that. That, like that's what all half decent grown-ups do anyway that's not easy but that's what you got to do are you willing to sacrifice personal enjoyment in the short term for long-term gain and how much because when you're young by the way i'm not blaming you i would be a hypocrite i was about it about it <laughs> when i say about it i mean about it about it but if you want to be at the top do you want to be at the top do you want to be the best? Do you want to make life-changing money? Right? I watched such a great video with Mike Tomlin. If you can find this, he's, he's one of my idols. He's the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dude, what you need to set, he, he talks about reasonable expectations. And I, I just love the way he articulates it. He says it's okay to set reasonable expectations. And he says to his guys, um, you know, you should always be the guy on the up. In the ascendance, ascending. All right? What you did last year is not good enough to get you where you need to be this year. Mistakes that were forgiven in the past will not be forgiven this year. That's a reasonable expectation. If you want to be earning 200 grand in four or five years' time, it's a reasonable expectation that you work six times a week now. That's a reasonable expectation. Are you willing to do it? If not, you're just going to be the guy who'll get a slower promotion and you'll just be another bunch of guys in the middle earning 50, 60 grand a year, which is a nice life. I mean, a month, which is a nice life. I mean, let's, you know, there's nothing to sneeze at. But, but only you can make these decisions, right? It's a, I, I'm probably not giving you the answer you want because I'm not going to give you an Instagram like yes or no or cool guy answer like I'm a grown up. But if you want to, if you want to beat the final dragon on, on Mario Brothers, like rescue the princess, this is you want to finish the game of the corporate world. Th this is what the elite people I know do, and they all tell me the same thing. Just solve your boss's problems. Your job is to get to know your boss, get to know your the elite guys at work. Because you know, everyone knows. Everyone knows who the, you, you know the people you work with. There's three or four special ones, right? They're like, they're into it. The boss always gives them the, the nice work. What is it they're doing that you're not? 
And if you can really take it to the final level, you want to beat the dragon, figure out your boss's greatest problems and work on solving those constantly on top of the work you're given. But but this is elite, eh? This is like if you want to be in the 1%. So, so what I would advise is relationships, solve your boss's problems and make personal decisions to have what Mike Tomlin calls reasonable expectations, right? It's okay to have reasonable expectations. And it's reasonable for me to expect of you, if you want to make 200,000 rand a month in five years' time, to work six days a week relentlessly around the clock to become the best at what you do. Relationships, work harder than everyone else and solve your boss's problems would be my advice. It's what I've tried to do. And within the South African landscape, in what I do, I don't think there's anyone better than what I do. Currently, I just don't. I've, but, but I've built it over 10 years. Like I'm, I'm not a genius. I'll be completely honest with you. I'm not the smartest person I'm a C student, undergrad, graduate. So I'm not a very smart person. It's taken me a long time to to figure this life thing out. You know, I only got my degree at 30. So I'm not a smart person. But what what I have seen in the world is that's what works. That's That's what I do. And if you don't know how to do those things, by the way, it's okay. Right? It sounds like I've said a lot. It's not actually that... It's not a lot once you've got the tools. I'm a little bit older. I've got the tools and find people that will... I don't like this word mentor. Jack Welch had a great way of putting it is mentor means if if the person you look up to and you're labeled as their guy messes up, then you're labeled as their guy, right? But you should be seeking wisdom from your elders. If you want to do the, the things that I've just said, by the way. Because, listen, it's not easy. It's much better to go and party, right? It's much better. I'm not going to... I'm not better than anyone. I'm not better than you, dude. Like, you got... If you're a civil engineer, you're making a little bit of money now. You probably work with smart ladies if you are <laughs> heterosexual. But you're meeting people. You're making a little bit of, little bit of coin now. You probably want to... You know, the ladies, hey, it's Friday night. Friday night. Come on, don't be boring. Uh, like, it's happening now, right? You've got lots of distractions. I get it. But you can be the party guy or you can be the star player at work. Those people cannot be... It is very rare to be both. It is very, very rare. So you want to be Friday night guy or you want to be the the killer at work who's just making it happen. And now you're partying at Tomorrowland, dude. Like I say this to, to people all the time. Like I understand I'm very lucky. Like when I played football, I had hysterical money. So I realized my life has been a little bit different to other people. So I could do all this stuff and my life hasn't been traditional. But you don't really want to party at the pub up the road. Like like smash it in your 20s so that at 28, 29, you're going to Tomorrowland, you're going to Coachella, you're going to Glastonbury, you're going to Argentina. You're, you're, doing, you're doing sick stuff. You're flying business class. You know, it takes a little bit of sacrifice at the beginning. But is that a reasonable expectation of you? You've got to take some time out. Think about it. Do you want to do all that stuff and go through the pain, short-term pain, long-term gain? Build those relationships, solve your boss's problems, and have, have reasonable expectations. What does that look like to you? That would be how I would navigate the corporate world. Solve your boss's problems, 
be very clear about your expectations of yourself because it has nothing to do with anybody else. And then build those relationships. That's what I do. 115. Jeez, this is going to be long. Hey, this is like we're getting Game of Thrones long. This is long now. It's bloody long. All right, but I'll answer this last one here because it's a bit of a belter. So this one, this is a good episode. Trust me, this it's worth it. If you if you're bored already now, stick with me because this one's a banger. So from anonymous, he says, "Good day, MKT. Good day. I'm a 24 year old black adult, and I'm caught in a situation. I was dating this girl a year ago, and we broke up." Because she cheated on me. And yes, she did come clean. I moved on, but ever since her, all the relationships have been unsuccessful. In brackets, less than four months. I still do love this ex that cheated on me. And I really don't know if it's what my friends tell me that I don't love myself. Or it's just the simple fact that I love this girl. We now recently started speaking since my birthday. Wow. um, 3rd of June. And it's all about us sharing jokes, memories via DMs. I just look forward to her text more than I look forward to the text of the person I'm with in a relationship now. Or I'm in a relationship with now. Wow. The girl I'm dating right now, we both stay in Johannesburg. She's 23. Has a 9 to 5 job. And we've been dating for 3 months now. My ex is in another province, which is like an hour away from Gauteng, and is a medical student. She's 22. Please advise me. Would I be stupid to go back to what I think is my soulmate or just stop speaking to my ex that got the chance to be with me but fumbled? So, because I take this seriously, like when I decided to do this, I gave my mom a call a couple of weeks ago. I gave some advice to a lady. I let my mom listen to it and I let my mom give me feedback. So, I gave her a call about this one. Sent, so I, th- I think it was sent two, two or three days ago anyway. Gave her a call yesterday and we had a chat about it. That was Saturday. And because one thing I don't do is take matters of the heart lightly. I don't. I personally don't. I think the, the, only, the only thing human beings have is, is we call it love, okay? I think it's the only thing we've got left. Like everything else is just commodification. But whatever. This is not a philosophy podcast. Let's move Let's move past that. I really, really believe that. And because I take it seriously, I had to give my mother a call. Because for those who don't know, if it's your first time listening to the podcast, my mom's a psychiatrist and has been globally acclaimed. She worked around the world for 25 years. She's been a, I think 35 years now she's been a psychiatrist, but worked around the world for 25 years. So... She knows what she's doing. She worked in war zones for 25 years. Trust me, when it comes to psychology, psychiatry, and understanding the idiosyncrasies of the existential sort of crises we all face, she's up there. She's in the 1%, that's for sure. But I gave her a call. And she kind of agreed with my take. She knows how I view these things. Um, Keep in mind, she was divorced from my father, so we did speak about that. And I said, here's what I'm going to say to you. And she agreed with me. She agreed. She, she disagreed on some things. And then we spoke about it. And she said, okay, well, she knows how I am. And um, th- this is my advice. Having spoken to an expert and run it by somebody who does this for a living, by the way. 
So if you're listening to this, I am not a psychiatrist or anything. I've never qualified anything. I just like to speak from my life experience. Maybe it works for you. I'm hyper-disciplined and I have very little emotional bandwidth. So when it comes to matters of the heart, I always go to my mother or my sister because they are actually loving people. I'm just like, okay, this person's an idiot. Move on. But that's it's, it's more complicated than that. You can't just... that's not how you live adult life right like we all know that but my first thing would be firstly what a ridiculous story just it's it's filled with everything Romeo and Juliet vibe just incredible so thanks for the question but I would say the first thing because nothing is about anybody else in life right so my first question is what deep role and whole is she filling for you if you're willing to go back? There's clearly something where you feel there's a gap internally which you don't want to think about. Maybe it's too painful, blah, 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 whatever. And because I'm telling you, I've been there. I've been where you've been, although I've never been cheated on. Whew, that's tough. But with my very first girlfriend that I ever had, and I talk about her a lot, I just realized somebody told me. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I realized what she was fulfilling for me when I was younger and why I was so extremely attracted to her, which is actually why I had to break up with her because she was a winner and I was a loser at the time. Um, But what need is she filling? There's a hole in you somewhere. Is she loving? Is she, did you never think you could get somebody this beautiful? Like, what does she represent for you that you can overlook such a thing, right? Or maybe it's not a big deal is my first thing. My other thing is this, I wouldn't tell you whether to go back or not, right? But don't be romantic about this. And you have to be very, very clear. People don't change. Like, I will not move off that, right? People don't change. And I'll tell you, I use myself in this example. So, I have like a not so lack of vibe about me and in my behavior it came out in my 20s and I treated my friends like absolute crap and my family to be quite frank and I, I just it was ugly so now what I tried to do in my personal life is I limit the amount of exposure I have to the amount of people I have exposure to right so I try and limit the set of times that I see people because I don't like the person that I can be over extended periods of time to people so I just limit it like I know I, I know I have tremendous blind spots. Keep it down. Like nobody needs that around all the time. Like they, they can see you rarely. It's not great. So I'm still working on that on, on that personally, right? Is you've got to understand that and it's difficult if you're in love with somebody to be able to say that about them. Right? Because you're biased. Yeah, it's your blind spot. It's it's what Arthur Schopenhauer. So look up Arthur Schopenhauer, the doctor love of philosophy. He called it, so it's genetically, intrinsically woven into us. It's called the will to life, right? And ultimately, we call it love, but actually it's just the the, the super ego trying to stop us from realizing that all we care about is the proliferation of the species. And uh, that's just a fancy word for, we just want to have coitus to make copies of ourselves. We call them babies. That's really whatever, that, that's actually what, what drives us to everything. And there are certain things that drive you to people who look a certain way, act a certain way, um, because you think they're going to plug in, generally, generally, they're going to plug in um, your genetic 
physiological, psycho, psychosomatic deficiencies. That's really what we're doing, is we're going, I'd like to make a copy with you. I'm tall, you're short. I'm light, you're dark. There's a neutral color that we there actually is. Um, in genetics, they, they speak about this. So actually what I'm going to do is mate with you because I hope the copy is the best of you, the best of me. And then it balances out. That's, that's all that's happening, by the way. But if you look at it like that, and then I think it's easier to go, people don't change. Are you willing to go to this person knowing that they are capable of this behavior and it, it is a part of their character? Because you don't cheat. I can't imagine it was once. And it's in her character. Be okay with that. Are you okay with that? I'm not going to tell you to go back or not. I'm just saying, are you willing to be with somebody who has that in their character? Take it from somebody who's displayed low character. I'm still working on that, by the way. Think of it like an alcoholic. Like If you've displayed bad character in life before, it's, it's in you for the rest of your life. You've got to constantly keep an eye on it. And I mean, every single day, every single day, to not be deceitful every single day to not to to not be unreliable right so she would you'd have to be willing to go to her and ask her everything that happened and why it happened unless you've had this conversation but you really need to get to the root of it because there's an, another uncomfortable truth people don't just cheat unmet needs will be met whether physical biological psychosomatic again, whatever it is, you weren't meeting a need of hers. And that's a communication thing. You got to communicate with people, dude. You got to ask her, like, what, what made you cheat? What, what, what am I missing? Am I not exciting enough? Am I not this enough? Because then you can very quickly get to, oh, no, but I, I don't want to be a Friday night party guy. And if that's what you're looking for, no ways. No ways. But I'll leave it on this, dude. I have a lot more to say, but I, I wrote down three points. If you forgive, and my mother taught me this, if you forgive, because take this from, I'm not a, I've never ever forgiven anyone in my life. Not once. I've never ever forgiven anybody in my life. I want to be very clear about that. I've never ever ever forgiven anybody in my life. I'm not a forgiving person. All right. Something I'm working on, it's a weakness of mine. Somebody once said to me, a very wise 94-year-old person who I spoke to today, old Rosie used to say, forgiveness is a gift only given to the strong. The weak can never forgive. She used to say that to me when I was younger. I didn't get it, but I get it now. Or, or let me say I'm starting to get it. If you forgive her, Right, And this has nothing to do with her. This is all to do with you. If you forgive her, it has to be absolute. And I don't mean like, oh, we're going to work on it. And if you choose to go back for whatever reason, all right, and I'll give you my opinion when I'm done here. You have to forgive absolutely. That means you no longer even talk about it. You no longer, after you've, done the inquiries I asked you earlier, then forgiveness, you draw a line underneath it, you never bring it up, you never hold it against her, if you choose to go back and you forgive, if you say I forgive you, 
Because what tends to happen with people is they forgive, but they hold that axe over the person's neck. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness can only be absolute. It, you cannot half forgive people. And I've, I see, again, like I'm not very good with people, again, because I don't like BS and there's a lot of BS in this world. I like to get to the bottom of it. If you forgive me, let's just crack on, right? And don't hold it over my head. I have a very good friend, a guy called Shimi Murakure. Got to shout him out because he, without him, ugh, my life would be in a very different place. He forgave me for behaviors that I displayed over an extended period of time and has never held it over my neck. Now, I know, I know other people who did. So you won't be seeing me for the rest of our lives because I don't play that. I, I, Mama didn't raise no fool. But if you forgive someone, that's what it's about. It's over. Like, you're my homegirl. You're my homeboy. We're on now. You know? And, and it, that can't exist anymore. And it has to be absolute. Are you willing to do that? And for me, personally, that would be the most difficult thing. Because I don't forgive. I do not forgive. I'm not saying that's right. That's a philosophical question for... I'm discussing it with elders. I'm working on it. Trust me. It's not something I like about myself. But I've never forgiven anybody in my life. But if you choose to do this, and I spoke to my mom about this for a good 45 minutes just on this topic, forgiveness, you have to forgive absolutely. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to look at this person, whether it's short-term, long-term, and say, you know what? Because I don't know how you felt when she, when she cheated on you. I don't know if that's why you left her. You kind of said it in the message, but I'm sure there was other stuff. Are you willing to forgive her and absolutely forgive her? And wipe the slate clean. Now, now you would be a bigger man than me if you did that. You would be a bigger man than most. And you're 24 years old, dude. So my, my opinion is, like when you say you love her, I mean, how well do you know her? You know? Like, how well do you know her? Do you know her family? Do you... What drives her? What is she looking for out of life? You know, she's a medical student, like whatever. She's obviously smart. What is she looking for in life? Have you, like, if you say you love somebody, you've got to know the stuff about them, you know? You can't just like them because they're hot. Like, that's cool. I, I love hot chicks too. Like, but if you say you know somebody, you've got to know what, what their levers are. Who raised them? What's their relationship with their dad? What's their relationship with their mom? Why did she do this? Is she willing to talk to you about the sort of circumstances that led to this? And if not, listen, dude, it's, it's not her job, right? It's not her job to love you. It's your job to love yourself. Be the person you want to attract is the old adage, right? Because in reality is if you're cool with yourself, you should be moving on from this. If the cheating thing's like a non-starter for you. Because people don't change. And this behavior will manifest itself in other ways, by the way. She doesn't need to cheat on you again. But this type of behavior, unless she's a super special person, and I think I've been quite good with this, is just keeping an eye on my shadows, right? Unless she's like a super self-aware person who constantly does the checking in with herself, this behavior will repeat itself down the road. Please don't be stupid. People do not change. People do not change. Especially if you go back, she knows she's gotten away with it. Right? I'm not saying don't go back. I'm just, I'm keeping it as the kids say, 100. 
I'm just keeping it 100 with you, dude. Because I've been that person. I've been her. In multiple other ways, not just the cheating. I have done the cheating thing before. So, it's what I'd say, man. It's what I'd say. A, a, a yes or a no is, I don't want to give simple answers to complicated questions. I'm not a politician. I keep it real. And to keep it real is you have to be willing to walk that, those steps. Think about those things, I would say. There's multiple other things, but I like to keep things simple. I think if you can go through those three things, and I, I, I kind of covered it with my mom. If you can be honest with yourself on those three things, it'll tell you whether you should go back on. What deep need does she fulfill within you? Right? That is clearly missing within yourself. Right? Are you aware that people don't change? And are you okay with that if you go back? Because you need to expect this behavior to carry on and manifest itself in other ways from her side. And you need to be okay with it in the future if you go back. And are you willing to absolutely forgive? Those are the three things. You can answer those three things. That'll answer your own question. An hour and a half we've been going. Unbelievable. Unglaublich, as they say in Germany. Uh, I mean, that's long enough. Bloody hell. If people are still listening now, it's a miracle of Christ of Nazareth. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. Please do go and review the show. Leave us five stars. Otherwise, slide in the DMs at MKT Inspires. MKT at the MKT Show.com. Um, looking forward to an incredible week of sport. Um, I'm probably going to take Monday off, by the way. Not sure if I'm going to do anything tomorrow. It's my, it's my first week in a long time, long, long time, without, a, without gainful employment. And I don't mean being employed or just having work to do. So I might take one or two days off, probably not even train. No big deal. I ran 23Ks uh, on Saturday, ran 27 uh, this morning. I was supposed to run 28, but just too sore. It's not a big deal. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, if you're calling me a hero, fine. I'm not saying I'm a hero. Am I one of the greatest people to live in the Southern Hemisphere? Possibly. I'm not saying I am. <laughs> probably take tomorrow off. Um, at MKT Inspire, slide in the DMs, MKT at the MKT Show. Uh, it's been amazing. This was fun. This was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. My name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell.